Welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. My name is Katherine Canty. I am the host and an executive coach. I work with teams, individuals, and leaders to help create measured leadership change. We do that using practical applications, and our clients are creating 100% measured results as seen by those around them. Not necessarily what I think or what they think, but what the other people are seeing. And they are being recognized for the hard work that they're doing. If you're interested in learning more about some of the work that we're doing, you can learn more at KatherineCanty.com. I would love for you to subscribe to this show, to Business Vitality. This is my way to continue to pay it forward and share business best practices. Stay tuned and listen to the interview. Thanks for being here. Lee Phillips, you are the founder and president of Legalese, found on the web at Legalese.com. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be with you. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you for for being here. Uh, Lee, can you tell us at a high level what your business does? I would love to uh, just kind of hear it at a high level. Well, I've spent my life educating people on on the legal stuff. I I call it the screw the legal market. I think people can do a lot of their own legal stuff if they just understand it. But lawyers go to school for an extra three years to learn how to speak and write. So you can't understand this. And if you break it down into plain English, it actually becomes pretty easy. Well, I have a great appreciation for just practical applications and making things the complex simple. Um, Before we jumped on and and hit record, you actually um, shared with me that you are a U.S. Supreme Court counselor and also a federal tax court attorney. Can you break that down for the rest of us? What does that look like? Well, it just means you work in the U.S. Supreme Court and in the federal tax courts. I actually was a a patent attorney, started out as a patent attorney and I got sick and lost all of my business opportunities and education and everything else, basically. Uh, As a 27 year old, if you spend uh, six months in intensive care and another three years down, you're unemployable. So when I got out, I started to do legal work on my own and came to realize that basically the legal system was setting up people for failure in many cases. Uh, for example, the attorney will set up your LLC or your corporation and they won't really teach you how to use it. And the vast majority of LLCs and corporations fail when the individual is actually sued, when the company's sued. And they fail because the people didn't understand what they had to do in order to maintain these entities, for example. And so I started to speak and educate people on how to maintain them, how to set up their own wills and trusts and actually avoid probate. Lots of people get their living revocable trust, but the family doesn't avoid probate when when the guy dies. They fail, but the lawyer makes their money cleaning up the mess. They're more than happy to to take you through probate or to to represent you when you uh, lose your corporate shield and they sue you personally and it becomes very serious. So, there's almost this conflict, there's this tension in the legal system between really helping people be successful and making money as a lawyer cleaning up the mess. Okay. So I I basically decided I was going to, I won't say attack the legal system, but educate people on the legal system so that they can do it themselves and so that they know what they get and know why it's there and how to take care of it. Fantastic. All right. So I have questions, but then I usually 
start talking and then I'd just kind of scrap the questions and then go into what you're talking about. So I'm curious um, for those that are listening, you know, we most of us have the wills and the trust and, and that stuff set up. What are we missing when we when we get that stuff set up? The biggest thing you're missing with the will and the living revocable trust is that the trust has to be funded and it's more difficult than it seems or they never really tell you, describe it to you. But anything that you sign your name for, and that's the bank account, the safe deposit box, the water rights, uh, the, the brokerage account, the piece of real estate, anything that you have to sign your name to transfer, that thing has to be owned by the Living Revocable Trust. And people don't do that. It, it isn't pounded into their head that they have to do that. And as a result, the guy dies, his bank account isn't in the trust, his piece of property, the lawyer probably put it in the trust to begin with. So that might be okay, but the brokerage account isn't in the trust and the new piece of property he bought, the investment piece, that's not in the trust. And he set up an LLC and the LLC isn't owned by the trust. He's the member, he's the owner. Well, he's dead now. So we have to probate the LLC. So when you set up the LLC, the trust, not you, the trust has to be the owner. Now the trust is you. I understand that you get to do everything. And, and when you put the bank account in the trust, the checks bounce just as high as they ever did. Uh, but, uh, but people don't understand how to use these legal tools. And, and I'm of the theory, if I can teach you why to, why it's there, why you need it, then you can understand, okay, I've got to do this in order to satisfy these. In the limited liability shield of the corporation, they basically, this is a statutory protection. The, the corporate shield protects me from what happens out in the company. Well, okay. What's happened is, is the federal government is giving you this carrot and they say, come on, little business guy, come on, you, 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 can, uh, you can make your business and, 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 and we'll protect you. Does the federal government really want to protect you? I mean, if your delivery van hits a kid in a crosswalk and paralyzes him, the government wants you to pay that bill. Otherwise the taxpayer pays it. They don't want that. So they've given us this, this, this carrot thing that we, we can follow around and, and they say, you start your little business, we'll protect you, you'll be okay. And yet when push comes to shove, the vast majority don't protect the owner, don't protect you, because in addition to giving you this, this carrot, this protection, this promise, the government's put all of these regulations, all of these little hurdles in place. And unless you can jump, show that you've jumped all these hurdles as you've gone along, they ain't going to protect you. So that's the type of thing people need to know, Catherine. Uh, and, and that's what I've been doing. So I'm going to back it up for just a minute. You talked about the trust and, and things have to be in the trust in order for it to have the coverage. Um, once you put it in the trust, how hard is it to, if you sell something, to take it out? Uh, you don't even have to take it out. Uh, when you're single, you wear a single hat. When you get married, the first thing she or he says to you, sweetie, don't you love me? Let's put our name as joint tenants on the bank account. 
you then took off the single hat and you put on the joint tenant hat. Well, when you do your trust, you're taking off this hat, your joint tenant hat, your tenant in common hat, your single hat, whatever it is, and you're putting on a trustee hat. You now conduct business, do everything, sell a piece of property exactly as you always did, only it isn't your name that you're acting under, it's the trust's name. So on the bank account, it reads the John Doe Trust under agreement, such and such a date, John Doe trustee. And you sign the checks just like you always did. When you buy the piece of property, you buy it in the name of the John Doe Trust under agreement, such and such a date, John Doe trustee. And when you sign it, you just sign John Doe trustee. And I mean, there really isn't any problem. It, it doesn't create any problems. You act just like you always did, except you've got to remember that you've taken off this hat and you've put on the trustee hat. And, and that's what people don't understand. All right, Lee. So folks that are, are wondering, what, at what point do I need to consider a trust? Is there just a net figure that we need to be aware of? That's a trigger? What do you think? Or what no, do you know? Not, not really, because it's how many assets you sign your name on. And okay. the fact of the matter is a small estate that has a brokered, brokerage, brokerage account and, and a few of these assets that have to be probated, they're going to lose a larger percentage of the estate value to the probate than the biggest states do. So the real question is, how do you, how, how do I avoid probate? What do I have that has to be probated? It isn't the value. It's the, what is it? And, you know, it, it's harder than it looks. Uh, we knew my wife was going to die and we knew she was going to die for several years. She had a disease called ALS. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I'm sorry to hear this. But, uh, uh, we, we, we worked and we worked and we worked and I'll be darned after she dies, I'm going through the filing cabinets and here's a stock certificate that her grandmother gave her as a little child. It's worth about five, $600 now. And that's about what it's going to cost me to run it through this process. If I had found that asset that requires a signature earlier, then I could have moved it over into the trust and we would have been fine. So it isn't the value, it's, it's where do I avoid the probate? And one of the big problems <coughs> is the little businesses, uh, the attorney that set up the trust and the attorney that set up the LLC, they're not thinking together, even if they're the same guy, they're not thinking together. But the little business has to be owned by the trust too, so that we don't probate the business. I had a, uh, a pediatrician that died and and I didn't do it, but they had to take his practice through probate. And it took about a year, a little over a year. But in that amount of time, they couldn't sell it to the new doc that wanted to buy it. And by the time it was actually in a sellable position, all the clients had gone. I mean, the kid had to go someplace during the year, so they got a new doctor. Mm -hmm. So 90 plus percent of the little businesses fail within a few years after the owner dies. And one of the big reasons is, is they get caught in this probate process. I don't even know what to ask after that. So how do you even begin to avoid it? 
<laughs> How do you even well, know that? You yeah. set up the trust and then you have the trust own the stock in your little corporation. Uh, now, if it's an S uh, corporation, LLC or corporation taxed under subchapter S, then there has to be certain provisions in the trust to comply with the subchapter S laws, but you make the trust the owner of the company, the stock or the membership interests in the LLC, stock corporation, LLC membership interests. And, and you just have the name of the trust be the owner. Now you're still going to manage it. You still do everything you normally do, but technically when you die, the owner of the asset didn't die. The manager of the asset died. When IBM, when, when the president of IBM dies, we don't probate all of IBM's assets. We get a new president and that guy has power and authority over all the assets of IBM. When you die, we get a new, a successor trustee, a new guy, trustee. They have automatic control and power over all of the assets of the trust. So it, it's, it's a legal trick. And, and the trick is the owner of the asset doesn't die. The manager of the asset dies. You. Okay. So even before we hit record, you also said that corporations need to be shifted back into LLCs. They do you mind do. talking about that? Well, the LLC is a relatively new structure. And it was 1977 in Wyoming, they created the LLC. And basically they married a corporation and a partnership. It got the corporate shield, the limited liability protection, which protects me from what happens out in the company. It got that DNA from the daddy corporation. It got another piece of DNA from the mommy partnership. We call it a charging order. The LLC gives you twice as much asset protection as a corporation. The charging order protects the assets of the company from what happens to the, to the owner, the member uh, of the LLC. And, you know, I, I've got a friend, he had a problem with a piece of real estate. He's getting sued. He spent his whole life building this business. It's a hundred employee business. It's a nice business. And his boys are operating it and they're buying him out so he can get his retirement a little bit at a time. But the family of the tenant that died in the rental unit is suing him. It's a corporation. They're going to get his assets. And one of the assets is the stock in the corporation. Once they've got that stock, they own that corporation. They do whatever they want with it. It's theirs. They fire everybody. They sell all the assets. It's gone. He's going to lose his business. If it had been structured as an LLC, the charging order protection says that when the tenant gets the, the judgment against him, they can't come and get his ownership of the LLC. They can't get his stock, his membership interest. All they can do is go back to court and ask for an order which charges the debt that this guy owes against the LLC, against his company. Okay. If the company ever declares a profit, it goes to pay off the debt. 
if the company never declares a profit, then the guy doesn't get paid off. So that puts my friend in a very good position. He can say, hey, look, my boys are running the shop. They don't like you. They're not going to pay any profits out. I owe you a million bucks. Why don't we settle for 20 grand? Yeah. That's all you're going to get, boys. So this charging order concept acts in reverse of the corporate shield, and it protects the asset within the company from what happens to the owner. Now, in the 2008-9-10 real estate bubble, remember that one? Mm -hmm. What would happen is, is one piece of property would go bad. They'd give it back to the bank. The bank would sell it. There would be a deficiency. So they would come to the individual and say, okay, pay us. And he says, I can't pay you. So they would go to his next piece of property and get that piece of property and sell it. There was another deficiency. Mm -hmm. They'd come back to the guy. Now, wait a minute. These pieces of property, let's say they're in a corporation. That's fine. So this one goes bad. They come to the guy. But wait, the corporate shield protects him from what happened to the, to the piece of real estate that's in the company, right? No, because you signed the mortgage personally. I'll guarantee it. Mm. So they come to you. This piece of real estate is also in a corporation. But they come to you and they get your assets. They get the stock of this corporation. They now have that piece of property. I saw people lose 30 pieces of property in the 2008-9-10 real estate bubble. If they had been in LLCs, then this one goes bad. They come back to the guy that signed the mortgage and they get a judgment against him. They can't come and get this other piece of real estate. It's in an LLC. All I can do is wait and hope that this LLC declares a profit and then they can get it. In legal terms, we say they have an economic lien against the LLC. Okay. But that's very different than being able to come and take the asset of the company and sell it. Yeah. So the LLCs have this whole other aspect of legal protection that a corporation doesn't give you. And if you set up your company back in the early 2000s, 1990s, they gave you a corporation. They did not give you an LLC. You need to change it. It's very easy. I teach you how to go in and do it in some of the courses that I prepared. You simply go to your state. They have a form and it says we're going to transfer from a corporation to an LLC. You do not even have to get a new tax ID number because the IRS doesn't know. They don't care whether you've got a corporation or an LLC. But we've totally changed the asset protection value of your company when we move it from a corporate structure, legal structure, to a, an LLC legal structure. It has nothing to do with taxes. We're just changing the legal structure on, these, on the entity. Okay, fantastic. That I know, yeah, it does. I think it's it's interesting because you know you said the LLC started in 90, 1977. so they're relatively new. Relatively new. They're actually an old uh, European entity. You've got the uh, LTDs in England and the GmbHs, the Gesellschaft mit 
bis hangt or or whatever it is in German. Uh, <laughs> my Deutscher ain't so good. Uh, but these are basically limited liability companies. Volkswagen is a GmbH uh, and, and it's company with limited liability. So it wasn't to totally new, but we didn't have it in the US. And the biggest question when they created it was for the IRS, how are you going to tax it? Took 20 years. It always takes the IRS 20 years to do anything. And the IRS finally came back and said, we don't care how you tax it. Tax it any way you want. You choose. Check the box. So it's very flexible in that it can be taxed any way you want. And yet it gives you the double asset protection of the corporation. It's, it's actually a really, really flexible, neat legal structure. It sounds like it. it. It does. And you kind of, you break it down and it sounds like even though it started in 77, you said you started to see people leverage this in the, in well, the 2000s. In, in, until uh, really the big one was 2006. Mm -hmm. uh, we got the Uniform LLC Act. The lawyers get together and they create a, an ideal law associated with something. We have about 180 some odd uniform acts, uniform probate acts, uniform divorce acts, uniform corporation acts. In 2006, we got kind of the final version of the uniform LLC act. Until then, the lawyers, they didn't really know how the states were going to handle it, what, what, what it really meant. But we get this uniform act, which many states have now adopted, and the lawyers go, okay. I now know that the only recourse of a creditor, of a owner, member of the LLC is this charging order. It's now defined. There are a number of states, there's about 15 states now that say you need two owners, two members of the LLC in order to get this charging order protection. I'd have to give you a two minute history lesson to explain why. Do you want it, Catherine? Why not? Go for it. Tell me your two-minute history lesson. 400 years ago in England, the only type of business structure there was, was a partnership. So me and Catherine and Joe, we go into business. We build a beautiful business. I'm not sure what we did 400 years ago in England, but we build a beautiful business. Mm -hmm. And uh, Joe gets in trouble. He gets sued. Uh, he didn't pay the king. He got divorced. He has a personal problem. And they get a judgment against him. Well, they take his partnership interest. The new partner comes in and sells the partnership out from under me and you, Catherine, and, 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 and we lose everything. That's not fair. We worked 30 years to build this business. And Joe got in trouble, which we had nothing to do with. And yet me and you, we lose our business. And so... The Brits thought, well, that's not fair. So they created this law, which said that when Joe's creditor got a judgment against him, they had to go back to court and ask for an order, which charged our partnership with the debt that Joe owed this creditor, this guy. But they couldn't come in and take the partnership away from me and Catherine. We could still operate it. They couldn't tell us what to do. We could pay ourselves. We could make money. We could make a profit. If we declared a profit, Joe's creditor got it. Mm -hmm. 
So the first big case was Olmstead down in Florida. Mr. Olmstead embezzles tens of millions of dollars from Floridians. The government gets him, throws him in jail and says, okay, see all those tens of millions of dollars over there, give them back. We're going to give them to your creditors, the, your, your victims. And Mr. Olmstead, he's read the Uniform LLC Code, which in Florida says the only remedy of a creditor, of the guy owning the LLC, is a charging order. And Mr. Olmstead's read that law and all of this tens of millions of dollars, they're in the, they're in the, uh, in the LLC. And Mr. Olmstead sticks his tongue out at, at, at the Supreme Court justices in Florida and said, nah, 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 nah. you can't get to them. They're over there in an LLC. And I'm never, I'm sitting in jail. I'm never going to declare a profit. Go, go pound sand. Well, you don't tell the Supreme Court justices in Florida to go sound pound sand. There's a lot of sand in Florida. The Supreme Court justices ain't interested in pounding sand. So they scratched their little noodle and they said, okay, what's the purpose of the charging order? It's not to protect Joe. It's to protect Lee and Catherine. Mr. Olmstead, you don't got any Lee and Catherine. You are a single member LLC. Screw you. Henceforth and forever in Florida, a single member LLC does not get charging order protection. Mm -hmm. There's no Lee and Catherine to protect. So we now have Utah and Idaho that have actually passed laws. The Ninth Circuit up and down the, the West Coast with all the nuts and berries and fruits over there. Uh, it says single member LLC, no charging order protection in bankruptcy. But the states are moving to this. You've got to have more than one member in order to actually get the charging order protection. The original Uniform Act 2006 said single member, the only remedy of a creditor was to get the charging order. But we're now starting to move that, that needle that dial so that only multiple member LLCs get the charging order protection. Does okay. that explain why? So, better to you? Yeah. So the, the, the bulk of the states are still single. The bulk of the states, two thirds of them are still single. One guy. Gets, you see it trending to, it needs to be dual. It needs to be, at least be two. Yeah. And you know, Wyoming and Nevada and some of these states have, have specifically passed laws which say in our state, single member gets it. Mm -hmm. So you hear that you should form your LLC in, in Nevada or Wyoming or New Mexico or Utah or Delaware or wherever it is. No, you form it in the state where you own the property or where you're doing business. Sorry, guys, you can't tell me why you have a Nevada or a Wyoming LLC. Okay. If you're doing business in every state, fine. Wyoming's great. Go there. But if I'm owning a piece of real estate in South Carolina, mm -hmm. then I'm going to have my LLC in South Carolina. Because even if I set up my Wyoming LLC, it has to be registered in South Carolina. I have to pay all the fees in South Carolina, just like I had an original South Carolina LLC. So I've got to pay everything. Uh, and I am now subject to South Carolina laws. They don't have to go to Wyoming to sue me. I pay my taxes in South Carolina. 
I mean, there you can't give me a reason why you have that Wyoming LLC, and yet people are going to these seminars and everything else all day long, and they're selling them on Wyoming or Utah or Nevada or whatever it is, LLCs. No, you can't find me anybody that has ever said, wow, am I glad I had a Nevada LLC. Can't do it. Show me. Well, somebody's out there making money, trying to teach them to do oh, that. Oh, so lots it's, of money. It's it's a uh, it's a uh, it's hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars worth of work, worth worth of money. So it's a lot of mm, money. That is a lot of money. All right. So before one of the questions I was going to ask, which you've been talking about, this is you know with business, we're able to create wealth over a time period. We've talked about trust. We've talked about. LLCs charging order protection. Are there any other ways to create wealth from your legalese um, vision that you that you have access to that maybe we're missing and haven't discussed yet? Well, yeah, there are. I'm <laughs> looking have, for just. We're going to have to do another one. The short answer is the IRS is your major asset protection threat, and most people have no clue how to really minimize their taxes. And your, your accountant never brings you in, puts his arm around you and says, you know, we need to teach you how to use your little business or your real estate as a tax shelter. Those are your two tax shelters. Somehow you know that people who invest in real estate or have a little business have a chance of getting rich. Mm. Well, yeah, there's all of the things that happen in the little business and the real estate that create wealth. But a big factor that people don't understand is the tax. Those are your tax shelters. Your accountant will not advise you. He will not tell you what to do. And the reason is, if he takes your numbers, plugs them in the computer, spits out your taxes, there's zero liability in that, guys. He ain't responsible for nothing. But as soon as he starts to tell you, use your little business, use your real estate as a tax shelter, then he has a liability. He's learned to keep his mouth shut. So I have courses on real estate taxation and, and business taxation and all kinds of stuff. So I guess that's the other element that I would say, Catherine, is a big deal. And, and people, they have no clue how big of a deal taxes are. Uh, pretty big. Um, yeah, they're, of, they're huge. Yes. Of all the different courses, because it sounds like you're able to simplify a lot of complex things and you were smart enough to figure out we can put this into courses and just be able to help more people versus, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversations. You've got a number of them out there. Are there, where do you start or what, what's maybe the first one to start it with? Just depends on where you want to start. Um, I've set up to give your people an LLC course if they want it. And I call it the LLC mini course. It's about 20 pages of a write-up. And I go through and explain the charging orders and the taxation and stuff in more detail. It's free to your people. If, if you want to give it to them, that's fine with me. I would love that. And you told me that that website was legalese.com forward slash canty. Yes. Uh, legalese, L-E-G-A-L-E-E-S. It's a pun on my name. I like uh, it. And after I've been using it for 10 years, I thought that's kind of corny. And I went to change it, but I figured out there was a lot of goodwill with it. So we've kept it for, we've, we've been doing this for almost 50 years now. It's 
ridiculous. But it sounds like it, you're having fun with it, and that's I do have fun right? with it, and, and I enjoy helping people, and I've helped a lot of people. Well, I'm glad you're doing that. If people want to learn more about the work you're doing, the classes, all that good stuff, what's the best way to reach out to you or to continue to learn? Probably just go to legalese.com, and I have a huge YouTube channel. I have several, three or hundred or more, uh, eight, five, eight-minute little uh, YouTubes on all of these kinds of things. This is fantastic. And all right, Lee. Oh, yeah, tell me. That's at Legalese. Legalese is on YouTube and then also Legalese.com. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. Fantastic. All right. Lee Phillips, you are the founder and president of Legalese, found on the web at Legal, L-E-G-A-L-E-E-S.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. You have a good one. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you like it, please subscribe, share this episode or this show with other people around you. The greatest form of a compliment is a referral. I really appreciate them. And if you think that you want to learn more about some of the work we're doing, I encourage you to reach out to KatherineCanty.com. You can schedule a call or just continue to read articles and information that we post out there. Thank you so much for being here.